say what they can't radio. Peace. Paz. Alas. Assalamu alaikum. Abaragani. Ashe. And welcome once again to a live, live stream broadcast of Radio One World Fest Global right here on We Say What They Can't Radio and Studios Broadcasting from beautiful downtown Brooklyn, New York. My name is Kamel Ellis. I am the CEO and co-founder of One World Fest Global and I welcome you all today to our telecast. We're commencing with the International Cipher Border Patrol Summer Initiative. The International Cipher Border Patrol Summer is all about bringing artists together from all over the world to break down borders and walls through music. The reason we think that's important and that we feature a lot of artists on this project who are actually immigrants to this country is that music is a universal language. And that universal language creates a vibration that can reverberate all across the world. So what we are striving to do with the International Cypher Border Patrol project is bring to you artists from all across the world who have something to say about the current state of the world and the state of immigration and why they decided to immigrate to this country in the first place and what's, what it's going to do for them and their career and their families and what they, quite frankly, are going to do to add value to this country that they uh, really will look forward to coming to in order to express their art. I'm very fortunate today to have live in studio with us two very uh, dear friends of mine as guests, uh, and, and also participants in the International Cyber Border Patrol Project. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves in a second, but the first thing I want to say is this. I want to give thanks to these brothers for being in the studio with me today. Anytime you decide to launch a project or put together uh, any type of initiative as an organization, as a business, you always look to reach out to different people who, that you know bring something really extraordinary to the table. And in reaching out to those folks, you also know that them, them being so extraordinary and having such varied and great backgrounds, you know that there's very much an opportunity that though you reach out to them and though they would maybe love to be able to work with you and help you, they're doing so many great things on their own that it's not always possible for them to come on board with something you're doing. So when you go ahead and do that reach out and to those same people and they say to you, yeah, man. Um, I think I could get with you on that one right there, bro. Let's work. <laughs> Let's see what it do. I'll bring myself and my team to the table and you bring your team to the table. Let's, let's put it all together, throw our stuff on the table, man, and see if we can mix up a brew. And so this is why I'm actually humbled and blessed to have these brothers in studio with me. To my right is Mr. Born Just Swinger. He is the CEO of Hot Tracks Entertainment. And uh, he's a brother who I go back with some ways now from when he was at Relativity Records, uh, running things over there. And it's funny because it was one of those situations where I used to hear more about the brother than I, before I met him. I, I heard a lot about him and the things he was doing in the uh, in the music industry for years, <laughs> literally for years before we actually met each other. So thank you for coming coming through today, Bonjour. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. To my left here with us is Mr. D. Anthony Johnson. 
Uh, Mr. DeAnthony Johnson and I go way back. We both grew up in St. Albans, Queens together. Uh, right off the Linden the Boulevard area there with Tribe Called Quest and a lot of other cats ran through that area. And Tone was one of the progenitors and producers and engineers of music in the, in the, uh, actually I would say golden era hip hop. But for me, it was just my era because it was the era when I was looking to try to get on and seeing who around the way was doing something. And everybody kept saying, go to Tony Johnson, uh, go, go try to get up in Tone studio <laughs> and see if he'll rock with you a little bit. So yeah. when I was there, actually able to do that, I was like, okay, I think I'm starting to make some moves now. You know, yeah, when it is when you're first coming up and the cat embrace you that you know is already doing his thing, it's like a, you feel like it's a good look for yourself. And yeah, that's even way further back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. With my, with my brother Tone. So I want to come back to, you born just, we're going to start with you because what I want you to do for the people is give them some background. I can, I can share it, but I'm sure I want you to look kind of like go in chronological order and really give the folks some background on what it is, uh, your, your background is, background is in music and in business. Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. It's definitely a pleasure to be here. Uh, like Kamel said, me and him go way back in, in ventures, uh, and other entities as well. My history with the music industry, uh, industry is real deep. Um, I came around here possibly back in like 1987, 88, uh, with important records actually, uh, mm. that was out there in Rosedale. We was doing like importing, uh, heavy metal and mm. rock and jazz and blues, you know, okay. with Larry Colbert and those guys. And, um, you know, I really adapted to it because of the fact that, you know, I had a niche, uh, for sound and, okay. and they was kind of like impressed with, you know, the way I would bring in different artists that I thought, you know, may be vital to the company. And mm-hmm. they kind of like, um, Oh man, maybe you'll open up a hip hop division. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, really? So, you know, it goes real deep and, and, and my love for it grew into, you know, important records turning into relativity, okay. relativity, you know, turning into, uh, Sony Music Red, you know, and, you know, I, I, I was on the field of, uh, you know, I think I could do a distribute, distribution on my own. You know, okay. I okay. had so much knowledge, so much intelligence of, of, about the business. Okay. I said, well, let me do a small little venture into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just grew into me bringing in artists, you know, one distributor turned into a label, uh, okay. turned into a recording studio, okay. you know, turned into like branching out to other artists, you know, right. um, not necessarily only hip hop. I went to the rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a rock band signed to my label before. I had a pop star signed to my label before hip hop, mm-hmm. gospel. Mm. reggae so you know we was always you know very versatile when it came down to the music okay and um so the love for it you know and the particular project that's on deck right now is just something that's uh you know that's at my door every day so i heard about the adventure and uh i spoke to a few of my artists and my producer about Mm. it and they was you know head over heels to be a part of it as well that's peace. Thank you very much, brother. Definitely. Thank you very much, um, Mr. Bourne. Just we're gonna come back to you because you talked about distribution, and that's so key in any business that you get into. How do you take that product and actually get it to the market, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you end up sitting around with a warehouse full well, of uh, something, yeah. <laughs> you right. know. And uh, you know, unless you have the means of dis- yeah. distribution, yeah. in order to actually in the channels to actually get it out there to the people who most desire that product, yeah. uh, it's just gonna sit on the shelves and you ain't gonna be able to move. So I'm glad that you bring that to the table. 
we're going to circle back to you on that for sure. Uh, Mr. DeAnthony Johnson, tell us a little bit uh, about your career, sir, and where you started and how you got inspired to get into the entertainment industry and where it's taken you since then. Well, I mean, it's a long story. Absolutely. Give us the long version. (laughs) We got a minute. We got a minute this afternoon, man. We got a minute. Talk to me. Actually, my love for hip-hop grew from a teenager. Mm. You know, um, we had a little crew around the way. You know, this is before records, before all of that, when it was just in the streets, in the parks, on the block parties, little barbecues. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. We had a little crew called the... um, Righteous three MCs. Okay. There you go. And uh, me, the God Rock Him and the God Infinite. Right. We used to just get on our bikes and just go to the park jams. Right. And just beg the DJs to let us plug our mics in. Okay. You know, and um, you know, we did our thing. And you know, we we, we you know, we made right. a little noise. Right. You know? Had a little fun out there yeah, with it. Exactly. You know? We was like fourteen, <laughs> fifteen years old, right. you know. So. Absolutely. But we met some of the other pioneers growing up, okay. you know, and everything like that. So my MC skills kind of dwindled a little bit. All right. But I still want to be in the music industry. Right. So, you know, my uncle was a DJ. Mm. So he used to play these records, you know, that used to just gravitate my ear, you know. Mm-hmm. These big orchestra-type records. I love is the message. Okay. Philly, right. Philly International Records, right. all of their productions. Right. It was a song called Pipeline. Oh, yeah. Pipeline. <laughs> Pipeline was mean. Oh, yeah. That orchestration of that. The breaks in there was yeah, crazy. Pipeline. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Pipeline was crazy. So, um, you know, those type of records, War, Galaxy, mm-hmm. those things. So it's it kind of like tuned my ear a little bit. Okay. You know, just listening to the different instruments. And, and layers of music. And, and all of that stuff. Mm. So I was like, right, this is, seems interesting to me. So let me find something right. that, you know, can... I can develop those skills. Okay. And I, you know, started reading about sound engineering and mm-hmm. recording engineering. Mm. So when I got out of high school, I found a, um, a curriculum at Queensboro. It's okay. called Music Technology. That's my alma mater too, man. Yeah. What uh, up? <laughs> so I, I took a couple of courses at, over there for that. Okay. And then it was kind of like a slow process. So. Right. I found another school by reading, like, you know, the magazines and stuff right. like that. I read a, uh, about a school called Center for Media Arts. Center for Media Arts. Yeah, absolutely. Kirby absolutely. Love Bug I went heard to it. that school. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of cats. Sure right. went to that school. Yeah, yeah. Lot, know, it was turning out a lot of cats, for sure. Yeah, Center yeah, for Media yeah, Arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm familiar you know, with that school. It's a renowned yeah. school. Renowned school. So I ended up, you know, joining that school. Okay. You know, and it was like an 18-month course. So okay. it was like, I see, I can just concentrate on music here, you know, and develop. Right. You know, my music and, and I had a little nice little job, you know what I mean? Okay. I was working in housekeeping at Marriott Marquis when they first opened up. Okay. Okay. So I had a couple of brothers there, you know, and you know, so I'm from Queens. Mm-hmm. So I met some brothers from Harlem. Okay. Some brothers from Brooklyn. Okay. Brothers from the Bronx. So you was at that Marriott Marquis in Midtown, the yeah, big Marriott. Yeah, the okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Times right Square. When they first oh. opened up, wow. I actually cleaned it from the top to the bottom. Yeah. Wow. When with the, the gra- with the rotating like, roof yeah. and all that stuff, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, restaurant yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Right. So our crew, we, that's how our crew got tight, you know. Mm. So we had a nice little citywide crew, you know okay. what I mean? Brothers from St. Nick, from Fort Green Projects, mm. from the Bronx. Right. We all just, we was working together every day, so we right. just got tight. And that was the time of, like, Latin Quarters mm-hmm. and Paradise Garage. Right. 
you know, these nice clubs was like bubbling, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Stuff. Bentleys and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Silver Shadow. Silver Shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Those days, for sure. Oh, yeah. Tuesday night, ladies night. Thursday to Sunday. Yeah, yeah. it was real, yeah. man. When you were young, you yeah. could do yeah. stuff. Man, then go to work. Then go to work. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, you didn't call it the Golden Era for nothing. That's right. It was popping out. It was popping. So, you know, after that little stint in school and the marquee, I got fired from that marquee job. I was doing crazy shit. I was a young dude. You know right. what I mean? I was mm-hmm. in the streets and doing right. all kinds of stuff. So, but, you know, going to school and reading the um, music um, magazines and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. then I started realizing where the people were recording their music. Okay. You know? Okay. And the studios that they were working out of. Right, you know, right from, in the area. From that school, because right. they used to have these little magazines and they used to have the studio. The studio, yes. Okay. And stuff like that in right. the back, you know. Right. So mm-hmm. I was real, oh, they were, that's where they work and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, when I got fired from Marriott, <laughs> right. still suited up, shoes and mm-hmm. everything, because right. they had a little meeting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just walked. From that Marriott, got on the train, and I went straight to Power Play Studios in Long Power Island. Power Play, wow. okay. I remember that. Long okay. Island City. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of cats are doing that out of Power brother, Play. Yeah. I knew a brother that I grew up with, my, one of my mentors, Eli Tubo. Absolutely. He was the an infamous engineer Eli there. Tubo. He worked with Eric B. and Rock Kim right. and a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other brothers. Yep. So I went up there, buzzed the door. I had no session, no meeting, no nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I buzzed the button. Right. You got to get buzzed into the studio. Right, for sure. And I just name drop Eli. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, I'm here to see Eli. You know what I mean? He told me to come up here and check him. Right. So, and he was looking at me in the camera and stuff like that. So, um, I was like, you know, but he buzzed me in. Right. Right? Right. So I go upstairs and, you know, I'm, I'm asking for Eli. I said, Eli ain't here. He ain't been here in months. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, so he was like, oh, well, I'm coming, you know, I want to do an internship here, you know? And I told him I went to the school and everything right. like that, you know? So he looked me up and down, little, you know, nice mm-hmm. white guy, Bob right. Brophy, my man right, Bob right. Brophy. Okay, you Bob know, Brophy. He's the one that buzzed me in. Right. And um, he looked me up and down. He said, he said, hold on. And he got on the phone and he called the owner of the studio, Tony Offie. Mm. Now, they had two different buildings. They had building like a block apart from each other. Right, okay. So Tony's office is in the other building. Mm. So he walks down, you know what I mean? I don't even think I had a resume or nothing. I just <laughs> like just yeah. name dropping, boom, right. boom, boom, you know? And um, he was like, all right, I might give you a shot. Mm-hmm. He went in the back of the um, studio, mm-hmm. one of the back um the mic booths and stuff like that. He went and grabbed the mop and the bucket, right? But mm-hmm. well, your first job is to do this. And he said, I want that bathroom <laughs> spick and span. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, Mr. right. He just testing me. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was like, for real? Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I'll be back down in the hour. Let me see what you could do. Right. Suited up, still hard by right. the shoe. So you suited up, suited and booted. <laughs> Boom. Went and knocked that bathroom out. Nice, you know? nice. Absolutely, nice. And, you know, like today's, you know, the engineering scene nowadays, you know, with the Pro Tools and all of that, you know, right. they don't get that part of it. No, you right. know, no. they don't get sure. that part of, 
you got to pay your due. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, it was good that you had the foresight to know and understand exactly what was going on at the time. You had the presence of mind to understand where you were at and what the situation was such that even though you were suited and booted, you said, I'm going to go in here and knock this bathroom out. This is how it goes down. This is where I want to be. Right. This is where I want to be. The Marriott job was cool and everything. I met some good brothers and I mean like some real good brotherhoods with, you know, some of those brothers. Right. But that's not where my heart was at. Okay. Right. You know, right. my okay. heart was like, I need to be doing this music. Okay. Right. So by any means, but that's right. So <laughs> how was it? How long was it between busting down bathrooms before you got well, a chance I to did, get, um, in the, get in the so room I and have a look at the board? Did my internship, right? Mm-hmm. So I let me say this: I did the internship was an eight-hour gig. So you was okay. there from the daytime, mm-hmm. and you was basically there to just set up equipment, yes. right. set up mics, right. you know, prepare for the sessions that was coming in, clean, break it down, mm-hmm. put it back up for the next session. Okay. So I, I did that for three, four months. Okay. After my eight hours, I gained, became cool with the studio managers. Okay. So the studio managers allowed me, if there was an open studio... That I could go, you know, throw up an SB twelve hundred or mm. you know, throw a reel up and just practice. Right. You know I mean? Now okay. tell people what reels are because yeah. I don't think they get yeah. to see those yeah, in the they, studio. Yeah. No, they don't. What, yeah, what was the reel? Is, yeah, this is the. Yeah. Well, what was the reel when you're in the studio? The golden era. The the, the two inch the two inch reel <laughs> used to go on this machine. Okay. Two inch machine. Right. That played the tape. Okay. You record 24 tracks on that one reel. Okay. And you can only fit like three songs on it, three five-minute songs. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and those things you, were not cheap. No. Exactly. <laughs> two-inch really, and, and, big two-inches like this. And you have to play it on this big recording console. Right, right? absolutely. Right? Okay. Track by track. Right. The track you record gets its own track. Right. So you record, like, with hip-hop, you record the, the drum machine mostly. They made the beats. Okay. And you record the kicks, snares, hi-hat, everything mm. separately. Okay. And you pull it up on each of their faders. Mm. Then, you you know, you, you get vocals and stuff like that. Sometimes you, for 24 tracks wasn't enough. Right. right. That's right. So you would have to sync another tape machine. Okay. To get another 24 tracks. Okay. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Only certain studios had that capability. All right. right. Powerplay was one of them. Okay. So what you felt like what you learned at the Center for Media Arts prepared you to go into that internship? Not really because I didn't take recording arts. I took music technology. Okay. Which was a different, like more production geared. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it taught you how to create music and to um, sync music to TV shows and stuff like that. Okay. So the internship, I had to start all over. Again. Right. You mm. know what I mean? That's how I was. That's how I was wondering when you were saying about how you had to bust down the studio and then get it yeah. ready for the next. So um, you know, being and, and a producer cool, coming, how do cool you learn to do black those dude from the hood? Right. Right. You right. know what I mean? Right. And most of their clientele was hip hop artists. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was allowed to kind of sit in on the sessions, right. you know. Okay. I wasn't really an, an assistant yet. Okay. But they allowed me to hang out with them in the studio, so to speak, you right. know, when I wasn't doing my interning job or it was a little breakdown or whatever like that. Okay. So I was able to sit in sessions with um, Eric B. and Rock Kim. Okay. Um, with Boogie Down Productions. Okay. Um, um, and a few other groups, right. you know what I mean? You right, know, right. Rock groups here and there. You know, right, right. Doing everything. Yeah, and okay. Just trying okay. to soak everything in. Okay. So, um, you know, as I did that, right. 
I started getting tutelage from those engineers. You mm. know, they'd be like, oh, come here and patch this thing. Because we used to have a patch bay. Right. It's not like the computer stuff with the plugins. With the plugins, there. right. Mm-hmm. The actual gear that okay. was sitting in those racks. Right, yeah. Right. We would have to put, you know, there was a patch bay mm-hmm. with these little patch cables. Mm. And you would have to learn that patch cable. That, that patch bay was the main thing you had to learn. Mm. How to create and, 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 and insert these patch cables in okay. this, this big cable thing. Right. And also align the tapes. Okay. That you had to align the tapes right. to a certain frequency mm. for the kick, the hair, the snare, the hi hats, mm. every frequency okay. you had to align the tapes. That's great stuff. That's yeah. great stuff. Yeah. Right there. No, yeah. That's, that's high tech so, recording yeah, for, for that. Absolutely. That's, that was, that was high tech recording. This every day. Right. Aligning the tape machines and learning that patch bay. Wow. Once you yeah. can do that, Okay. You're an assistant. Okay. Yeah. You know so I mean? this is, this is great. Yeah. This is yeah. great because we, what we're getting yeah. to is to the, yeah. the nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty, yeah. uh, jobs in the industry that people don't often hear about, man. You don't right. get to talk yeah. to engineers yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you yeah. by the time you go into the studio, the engineer ain't there for talking. He's there no. for working. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. So that's you don't it. get that's a chance to learn about the nuts and the money. bolts. And that's why, that's why I'm grateful to have you brothers in there. the luxury of just waiting, working on your own time and stuff like that. Like that. Absolutely. You know, them, them studio hours was $150 an hour. No yeah. doubt. No yeah. doubt. That's just the no studio. Doubt. Yeah. No doubt. The engineering is that was another fee. Was another fee. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, another exactly. fee. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, that's cool. So, uh, on that note, I'm going to come back to you, Born Just, because with Tone, we get to hear about the recording portion of the music and what it means to be an engineer working with some of the great artists of the day. You come from an uh, independent record label background where distribution, again, is key and oh, distribution absolutely. is king. And that's also a place that we don't often hear about um, and, 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 and we don't get to find out exactly what the nuts and bolts are to distribution, especially back in the golden era when so many people actually were putting out their own record labels. Yeah, right. Cats were trying to break on their own. And there were actually physical records that had to be dealt with. Yeah, you had to actually touch a cassette or a CD or some vinyl or whatever. So that was a very much a different time because the distribution was a physical yes. distribution of records. So tell us how that started for yeah. you and, and how you started to learn about uh, distribution of records. Well, what I did actually was, um, like I said, with the history of uh, the distribution, you know, I was pretty much like this young man too. It was in my blood. It was just mm-hmm. something that when I went to work to the distributor, it was like I was on hands from the actual product coming through the door, okay. receiving the product, mm-hmm. stocking the product, mm-hmm. uh, uh, invoicing the product, right. selling the product, right. and shipping the product. There right. you go. Making sure the whole 360 was done. I was right. in the core of that right. for like, you know, 10, 12 years. Okay. So it came to me. It was like, you know, listen, I think what I'm going to do is start a small, you know, me and uh, Barry Colvin, like I said, who was the owner of Relativity, we had gotten really cool, mm-hmm. really tight. I mean, uh, our families knew each other. Right. We went to dinner and parties together. Okay. Okay. And um, I do it by him. Right. You know, I said, well, you know, I know some talent. I got some guys. Uh, I grew up in Queens also, but okay. I grew up uh, in Astoria Projects. Right. right. I was with Nas uh, and Ma Deep yeah. and those guys. Right. And Ver- exactly. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are my people. Yeah. Okay. You know, absolutely. To this day, we still vibing uh-huh. and everything. And, um, you know, so we had a lot of artists. Um, okay. In a story that was really hot. And I had access to recording studios where I used to get... Uh, their CD or their tape 
uh, recorded, mm-hmm. and I was affiliated with uh, Disc Makers. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I a personal account with Disc Makers to make vinyl. Right, okay. So, you know, um, I said, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I started recording these young men, mm-hmm. and... Um, I started going to disc makers. I was like, listen, I, you know, this is uh, Mike Swinger. I'm calling from Relativity. I mm-hmm. got the offshore account. It was called Swinger Sounds at that time. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. And I want to press up uh, a thousand copies. Mm. So they would look at it, boom, boom, boom. He said, okay, well, we're going to give you the discount that we gave Red. You know, mm. relativity. I'm right. Like, okay, fine. That's a good right. discount. So I used to sit in my mom's <laughs> garage, you know what I mean? And I had cats records, you mm. know, I had boxes of records. Okay. And I'm like, oh man. So, you know, now I got to get busy. So I got my roller decks. We didn't have the phones and all of that. So mm-hmm. I had my roller decks, a little office set up inside there. And we were really keen to like the overseas accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, we was like in Italy. We was in Brazil. Okay. We was in Japan. We was in China. Mm-hmm. Because back then what happened was in China, we flew out there a few times. I flew out there with Barry. And what I've noticed was like their record stores mm-hmm. was connected to their uh, uh, studios, mm. the radio station. The radio station was upstairs. The mm. record store was downstairs. The club was next door. Mm. Okay. So you had this thing where like once they heard your music on the radio, the cats would just come running into this record store to see mm. if you had this record that was playing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I used to do, being that I was low budget or whatever, I used to do what we call white label. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I used to make a hot track, put it on a white label. Don't put no artist's name on there, no label on there, no nothing. Right. And we used to send it out. You know, Mm -hmm. when I used to send out like thousands and thousands of records for Barry, his promotional copies used to be white labels. Right. So I just stuck mine in between them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wrapped it up and sent them out. You know, with his. Right. So what happened was Barry came back and he was like, well, listen, uh, who's this guy, uh, such and such? You know what I mean? <laughs> and and we don't have this record. I was right. like, no, this is one of the artists. He said, well, listen, what we used to do then, we used to pre-order. They used to pre-order the yes. records. Right. So you could kind of see the numbers that's coming in. Right. And I was in the, I was in the office and I had the capability to see who was being pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. So I seen this artist. I was like, Oh man, this guy's getting like, you know, 17, 17, 1800 pre-orders. Mm-hmm. So I went to Barry. I was like, listen, cause the money was funny cause you had to go to disc makers cause they only did cash and carry. Right. But what we used to do is like when you send it out to the accounts, once you got the record back, you could either do a COD mm-hmm. or you could do a, 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 a terms you know you give them 30 days right so i told barry listen yeah i was like listen don't worry about my accounts right now just put everything on 30 and if they like it they'll pay it's Mm. not you know it comes back in the return so i used to clock the returns to to see if any of my products yeah because you don't want too many of those returns coming back to the warehouse they're like okay it's time to shut it down down. exactly so you know but it came you know it was real a lot of people didn't really know about that. So, like, the guys in Queensbridge, the guys in Woodside, Astoria, Corona, Flushing, okay. they they heard word. You know, they was like, yo, this guy Bond does distribution on his own, you know, mm. this and that. So, mm. I started setting up my own accounts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started calling these guys from Japan. I got real tight with the DJs over there. And mm. I just was able, I got me a broker. I used his broker out of JFK to okay. get my stuff overseas. I had me a trucker. 
mm. in a local trucker, this guy John, who had a van. Mm. He was able to take my product. I was labeling my product. I had my invoices, my bill, my insurance, and everything. Mm. Okay. And he used to just take it. So it just swing of sounds just started to get bigger and bigger. Nice. Mm. So after that, you know, it's like some brothers don't really understand, you know, making the record is one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, to you, yes, that record is hot. To your sister, yes. To your father, your mother, yeah, that record is hot. Mm-hmm. But it's the masses that you have to, like, really convince that your right. record is good enough to be sold. Right. So I told them, listen, let me white label you. Mm-hmm. And if it pops, it pops. Everything, there's no money. There's no money exchanged. Mm-hmm. Um, I take all the burden because I still got to get it pressed up. Okay. You know what I mean? I write them out a contract and I told them this, 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 this. But if anything pops from that point on, from every record you sell, a percentage comes back to Swing the Sounds because of the finances that was put out. You know, so mm-hmm. so distribution was a is was a real key. And I eventually right. had cats just like knocking down my door. Right. You know, artist development and stuff like that. We had to go mm. through those keys, which they don't really get the opportunity right. to see no more. Right. Man. Listen exactly. up, kids. Yep. When I first got into the industry or tried to get into the industry, I should say I went to this brother named Mel Kwan, mm. right? And Mel Kwan, the reason why I went to Mel Kwan is because my brother my brother had a little group, him and Rakim, yeah. Raw Talent, right? Uh-huh. And they asked me to manage him. I didn't know anything about the music business. And um, they said, well, you know about business because I was doing real estate and some okay. other things. And so manager, so the reason I'm making this point is when I went to Mel Kwan, the first thing he told me to do is go get a book called This Business of Music. Mm-hmm. So yeah. listening to you, Born, just yeah. reminds me of yeah. going to get that book, This Business of Music. Yes. And the other one he told me to get was Hitman, but Hitman mm-hmm. was on some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But this, mis- yeah. this Business of Music, thick book like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you was good to read it all the way through, but the reference points in there were very important. Yeah, and some yeah. chapters you couldn't miss mm-hmm. because you had to yeah. know had distribution, to know. publishing, yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. And that's yeah. the business of music and that's what you're talking right now. And I love that. Let's keep this going on the educational tip. I want to I want to swing the tone. Right. Tone, talk to me about the recording process. Talk to me about mm-hmm. where it starts, um, the, the creative process of actually recording a record in studio mm-hmm. and finishing that that record to the point where it can actually go out to the masses. How does that go? How does that so, work? Um, you don't need one. Where should I start? Um, right. Talk to me. To me, okay. See, it's different for me. You okay. know what I mean? Because I, I went through uh, a chronic, logical right. process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You had to learn your craft. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I was fortunate enough to... Um, Come up with some great engineers okay. from Power Play Studios. Yes, sir. Then along with other studios that I worked with after okay. my internship and assistantship right. at Power Play, I learned under this great engineer called Patrick Adams. Mm. Patrick Adams was is a producer first, right. and then he kind of forced himself to be an engineer. Mm. You understand, right? And because um, not all producers are engineers, of course, yeah, and right, not all engineers are producers. Right, you know? Those are two diff- totally different skills. At that you time, had to be, you had right. You had okay. to be able to produce a little bit or know how to program. Okay, you know, like electronic equipment. Okay, it's just the beginning stages of that. Okay, not you had to be a, a musician, mm-hmm. played actual instruments, right, and recorded live to the tape and stuff like right. that. But right. as hip hop grew. The technology group. Okay. You know, then you came out with drum machines like the SB12, right. Lindrum, mm-hmm. 
you know, stuff like that. So great okay. producers started learning how to program their drums because they couldn't afford to bring a drummer in. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. So they would program their own drums on these electronic devices. Okay. Quincy Jones is like one of the pioneers of that. Right. You know? Really? Yeah. And, okay. Um, so, um, you, um, so, so these young cats, right. you know, I would give Davy D a lot of credit. Davey okay. DMX. Davy DMX, right? Mm -hmm. He was definitely a musician producer, right. but he, you know, he really got into the technology part of it. Okay. He had his own little recording studio in his basement in, in Queens Village in Hollis, Queens. Right. And he's pioneered. Then Sweet T did that, did the record yeah, Davy yeah, D. Yeah, you are the yeah, best. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Sweet T. Shout out to Sweet T. Yeah, we shout got out to Sweet T. Absolutely. Yeah, I know right. Sweet T. Shout yeah. out to you. Yeah. yeah. And, um, that was the joint back, back in the and, day, the um, Davy D joints here. Yeah, 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 for so sure. It's Davy D who actually did Sucker MCs. Okay. His own joint, One for the Trouble. Okay. And he worked on a lot of the early Run DMCs, Houdini. Right. That era of hip hop. Okay. All that rush artist management stuff. Plus, over he was Curtis Blow's DJ. Right, right. Okay, you know, so I give Dave shout out to Dave. Um, mm -hmm. And um, you know, so that those was my mentors. Right, you know right. what I mean? So I used to play ball in in Thirty Four Park. You know, what okay. I mean? Dave used to play ball right. in there. Jam um, Master J. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, all of them in Hurricane and all of them. They okay. used to play ball there. Okay. So tell me about that creative process. When so, the artist comes to the studio yeah. and they want to make a record, they come to you and, and, and you, you guys are already in there. What are, What's the process? So there? this is it. Okay. So this is what I was trying to get to. So um, you really have to have a producer. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In mm -hmm. those days. Mm -hmm. Nowadays is different, but in those days you had to have a producer that knew how to create music. Okay. You know what I mean? And you, if you was an MC mm -hmm. and you wanted to make a, a, a track. Right. You would have to have some type of music and most of the times you have to have a great producer. Okay. That was making your beats because the beats is more important. Yeah. Than anything else. Mm -hmm. and then, nowadays it's kind of different, but back then the beat had to be banned. Right. For anybody, for any DJ to want to play it. Right. Your beat had to be right. banging. You had your Molly Malls. You had your, um, Herbie Lovebug. For sure. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You had those great producers. Right. That was the engineering right. behind those great records. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. So that was that. And then the MCs, so the producer kind of like incorporated the MCs to yeah. work with them on those tracks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So, you know, like with Marley, he had his Juice crew, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like with Red, you know, he had the Native Tongue crew. Right. right. Herbie had his crew with right. Salt and Pepper and Kid and Play and, right. and Dana Dane and all of that. Absolutely. Right. And Sweet Tea. Right. You know, and... Um, they were strong over there. They were strong over there. Yeah, so that was the Queen's crew. That's that was the Queen. Crew. That's my yeah. pro. I, yeah. Everybody uh -huh. just mentioned. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so that was the basics of the beginning of creating music and creating records in the okay. studio because yeah. you had to have that beat. Mm -hmm. And then the MC just added to it. He was just like another instrument to, okay. that, to right. that music. You right. know what I mean? Right. He had to have a certain flow. Okay. He had to have his rhymes, you know. Mm -hmm. and, you know. Mm -hmm. and then there was a rule back in those days, no biting. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That was no biting. Copy yeah. somebody yeah. else's No track. biting. Right. You understand? Right. You had to be original. Absolutely. You know, so, so everybody tried to, everybody sought out their own lane to fill yeah, exactly. within the game. That, they didn't, that, they didn't look know, to fill the same lane. The great from the, 
Absolutely. So so those strong MCs gathered attention. It was okay. great for the producers, but then there was like a shift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just from the DJs and the producers yeah. created these great artists. Okay. And these great artists became bigger right. okay. than the actual production the, yes. and stuff like that. So right. Okay. Then they kind of, maybe they shifted to another producer along the way, like with Big Daddy Kane, mm -hmm. you know right. what I mean? Right. He right. shifted away from Marley. Right. He got with Teddy Riley. He right. got okay. with different other producers, you okay. know. His core wasn't the same, mm. but he still, you know, he was a great artist, so he was right. able to still move, you know, Ball. forward. Yes. Right. Right. But as um, an engineer, right? Like, yeah. tell us, like, some of the greatest challenges you face working with artists as an engineer well, when they come into the studio. if I go from the nowadays, mm. you know. Okay. Nowadays, it's like they could do the music on their own. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So so you have these bedroom producers mm -hmm. that's engineering and, right. and, yes. and the same, you know, thing. Or they're downloading music off the internet, off of YouTube, right. off of SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. right? You know what I mean? Then they'll go to a studio and they only want to want to book like one hour. Yeah. Yeah. To do like five songs. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Really? Okay. You want to try to get all of that, you know, in mm -hmm. on one hour yeah. of a $24, hour yeah. studio. But, wow. You know what I mean? Wow. That's true. That's true. And, that is and true. some engineers, you know, they'll take that. They'll take it. They'll, they'll take 20 of those sessions a day. You know wow. I mean? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Twenty-one hour sessions. But they—they they, yeah. let yeah. me just say, because uh, mm -hmm. we do it as well. But you yeah. leave with tremendous headaches. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because it's uh -huh. nothing but gibberish you're listening <laughs> yeah, to exactly. all day. Yeah. You know. Uh -huh. So, but I concur with yeah, you, brother. Exactly. <laughs> I kind of, you know, I kind of shied away from it after a few years. I, I mean, I came up so like in the early two thousands that shift from analog to digital. Right. Okay. You know, started. Okay. And I had to, I had to learn Pro Tools. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because I was caught up in the, still in the analog phase. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, I was forced to learn Pro Tools because mm. there was a time where I, I worked for, um, Henchman. Jimmy Henchman. I worked for yeah. Jimmy Henchman. Right. Shout Henchman out to KK Rosemond. That's my little nephew. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, my man was over there for a little while. Donald Francois, you know yeah, Donald, Donald Francois? Donald, um, I, I will get into another conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Francois. Yeah, he was yeah, over there for a minute. He brought me too. up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's doing his thing on, some, on the basketball um, tip. So I had to learn Pro Tools. Okay. Right? I had, we did a, a project at Henchman while Jimmy was like in that transition phase. So okay. he wasn't, he wasn't around for a few months. But so okay. what's some of the right. artists that was, that went through Henchman and what were some of the artists oh, that they imagine over there? Um, Little Sean, okay. The Game. Right. He had a few, he had yeah. a few, well he yes. was manager of a lot of Yeah, groups. a couple of cats. Yeah, yeah. Leah, right. he was involved with that project. Okay. Yeah, so, um, he did a project called Bulletproof Love. Mm. With some like new artists from Brooklyn, from Queens and stuff like okay. that. Okay. So um we did all of that in analog. We mm. did that. He had a studio in the stu in the in the office. We I was running the studio. We did that project there on analog, right? Mm -hmm. Then it came time to mix the album. So I'm still working on analog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. He got Daddy's house studios okay. for the project to be mixed. Right. Okay. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Puff already had full digital equipment, yeah. everything, man. Right. Right? So I, um, so he's like, yo, come on, we're going to mix this album, you know? And they had, they had, they didn't even have their two inch machines mm. set up on it. Okay. They just transferred all the music to Pro Tools. Mm. Right? So that's when folks was going away from the, from the two inch reels and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Right into the computers. Right. Programming so, music right into the computer. And I was lost. Yeah. I, mm. I was lost. Mm. Jimmy was upset with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. And he was like, yo, what the fuck? You wasted a whole session. You know what I mean? Mm, trying to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was, I was, oh, I was tight. So, um, so a week later, I went back to the studio, to the office and everything like that. And he was like, yo, fuck me up. Isn't it? You know, you cursing me. Right, right, right. So, um, he, um, I'm like, well, we gotta, we gotta move forward. Let's get a Pro Tool set. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. I'll learn that shit in a day. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Just go get it. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had that. Because Hinchman, they had the studio up there in the office. Yeah. 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 Nice yeah. Little studio uh-huh. up there yeah. in the office. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been up there. I went up there. I've been up there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I did a project for Relativity. I did the Outlaws Fatal Hussein album. Oh, yeah. 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 I got that album in my catalog. Yeah. Yes, sir. I got that album. Good album. He's a dope MC. Yeah. Okay. Rest in peace to Fatal Hussein. Fatal Hussein. I got that album. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, that was the start of the digital. Right. You know what I mean? Right. From analog to digital, digital transition. Right. So, and now it's like so far advanced now. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Know, yeah. It's almost making records on their own. Yeah. It's, it's like going automated. on YouTube and learning how to produce records yeah. and yeah. going to get yeah. the yeah. program. Like you, you know? said, the, yeah. the, the bedroom, you know? the bedroom so, producers. Um, okay. Yeah. The bedroom producers. So I kind of found a niche to keep my engineering up. By just mixing those type of songs, okay, you know what I mean. Yeah. So they might have a two-trick stereo beat, yeah, right, and you know some some vocals on it that sound horrible from a horrible mic, right. you know what I mean? Right. Distortion. Yeah. You trying to clean it up? They don't have the skills to actually <laughs> clean it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Or record it properly, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or out of phase, all kinds of stuff, right. you know? Right. Okay. And so that's my. Kind of my niche now. Okay. Along with just production, you know, well, you more kind of production now. Yeah. How know? to tighten it up. How, how to tighten how up with tighten it up. You know. Okay. So if you want a good clean mix right. that you want to play or release, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, to okay. the public. Okay. You know. And now you got the iTunes, the yeah. titles, yeah. and all of yeah. this. Right. So yeah. it has to be at a certain quality. Absolutely. And it has to be at a certain level right. yeah. for it to be streamed properly. Right. You know okay. what I mean? Right. Okay. So I had to learn all over again. Right. And it okay. takes a certain file, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to learn file. how to, the MP3s, the wave files and, mm. you know, the different um, rate sample rates that, yeah. you know, okay. you're supposed to use because each streaming service has different levels that they stream their um, music on. Right. right. So you have to learn each one. The title has one, Spotify. Okay. Everyone has their own certain okay. sample rates and okay. levels that they want to have their music streamed on. That's okay. True. And if you don't give it to them, then they're forced to, you know, desample mm. some of those rates. Yeah. So the quality, you're going to lose the quality. So okay. if you have a nice, loud mix... But it's peaking over mm-hmm. a certain level. Yeah. 
if, if you want that Spotify to play that song, mm-hmm. they're going to be forced to squish, squish that. Squish it down. Squish mm-hmm. it down. Okay. And, and then they throw it off. Yeah, right. it's not going to yeah. play the same right. quality as your mix. Okay. So you got to learn how to mix right. all over again right? okay. to have your song at the highest quality level mm-hmm. and sound, right. but not peak over. Okay. That, that their level. Okay. So you got to kind of, like, I just went to a seminar yesterday called Mixcom. Okay. And Center. Okay. And I, there was, um, you know, I, there's a great engineer there named Tony Maserati. Mm-hmm. Tony Maserati. I've heard early daddy before. house stuff like right. that. Yeah. He right. He just actually yeah. Tony did Maserati. Heard Beyonce's new joint that just mm. got released, the Lion King thing. Really? Oh, oh, he yeah. did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's still getting major work. You know, wow. I mean, he's a good engineer. Okay. So, um, shout out to Tony. Okay. Um, That's peace. Yeah. Well, look, um, you know, this is this is why we're here today. We want to educate the folks and introduce y'all to the people that are really behind the scenes of some of these great artistic projects um, that we have coming out that that have come out and that continue to come out here with the the International Cipher Border Patrol project. Again, we thought it was necessary that we bring to the fore some of those folks that you might not normally see at some of these radio shows when everybody's just bringing the artist, the artist, the artist. But the, the fact of the matter is one of the things I learned very early on was that show business was 90%, 10% show and 90% business. Mm-hmm. So our focus this month during the International International Cypher Summer was to make sure you got to meet some of the people behind the business of the International Cypher, the studio producers, the owners, the engineers that are going to be uh, producing and, and putting out some great product with us uh, on this project, the International Cypher Border Patrol project, which is, again, in support of immigration, in support of the artists that is coming here to this country trying to get it popping. What I'm going to talk to you guys now is to tell us a little bit about some of the great <coughs> stuff that you're working on um born just we got uh again we got mr born just swinging from hot tracks studios and we have my man mr d anthony johnson uh tell us tell us some of the things that you're working on right now in uh besides the international cyber border patrol which we're going to be doing together obviously but some of the other things you got coming up out of out of hot track studios and, and what folks can look at to, for you okay well but right now we just had a release of uh one of my artists job biggs uh, just released a single called Change Narrative. And, um, that's a real hot single that's catching a lot of yeah, wind right hot. now. He's on an international I mean? cypher project yeah. too. John Biggs is down with yeah, us over here too. And it's kind of like catching a lot of wind because, um, it's, it's talking about us as men, you know, mm. um, something that's, you know, a lot of these artists don't, you know, necessarily do, you right. know, um, you know, they got, they kind of shy away from the truth, you know, like you'll listen to a record no matter how hot the beat is, you know, but once you do adapt to that lyrics and if it's not something that, uh, 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 that the, the mainstream is attracted to, you kind of turn your style, you're turned to another station. Well, okay. this particular project is based upon us men being men and being mm. responsible for being who we say we are as being a father. And, you know, even though we went through trials and tribulations as we was growing up into our manhood, mm-hmm. um, cause then, you know, your parents to tell you, your grandparents to tell you, well, you've been a man since you was 18. You wanted to be a man since you was 21, right. but you really don't actually adapt and fully get grown into your menship until you turn maybe like your thirties and thirty fives and real. you start getting responsibility. You start, you start to figure having, it out a little bit, man. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, you know you, it's trial and error. You right. know, you you go through some bumps and some bruises and some of the good stuff that these young men been telling you along the way, 
you know, you start to go back on your shelf to see if it's still there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So um, this particular track, it tells the young men, you know, that, listen, even though you had a couple of bumps and bruises, may have been incarcerated, may have been divorced, may have uh, had some ups and downs, that you always could get back on the right track, you know, okay. and be a parent to your kids, you know okay. what I'm saying, and be a husband to your your wife and, you know, stuff like that, brothers to your sisters and right. things of that, sons to your mothers and fathers and stuff. So, right. you know, that's our challenge narrative and we wanted to let the uh the world know because it's on all platforms as we speak and okay and again like i said it's catching the big wind we're looking at doing a video right now we're talking to the directors and we're talking about getting the um you know the trailer shot for that and everything okay. so okay. You know, we're looking forward to job bigs change narrative y'all look out for yeah. that job bigs project coming out so it's born just in in, in uh, the hot track studios they're continuing to put out music independently and he's continuing his legacy there Tone, um, before I ask you also to make sure we get the name of your studio, um, talk, talk to us too, um, a, a little bit about the work you're doing and what you're doing with the Book Bank Foundation, man, because yeah. you're working with Dr. Glenn Toby over there. Yes, uh, that's my man. The brother's doing some great things and you yes, got on his own and of course with the Book Bank Foundation, man. So we want uh-huh. you to tell us a little bit about that as well. Great things, definitely. Um, the Book Bank Foundation, um, I'm the president and the um, executive board member mm-hmm. and the president of the New York City chapter of the right. Bank Foundation. Mm-hmm. We, um, you know, our thing with that is we are advocates for um, literacy okay. young people. Okay. And we advocate, you know, advocates for um, the homeless. Okay. You know, and, and eradicating homelessness. Okay. Mm-hmm. And starvation in the people in the communities, you know, okay. all around the world. So I know you have a great bus tour thing that y'all yeah, have done do before. The, um, shelter from the streets bus tour every um, holiday season between the Thanksgiving and Christmas um, okay. holidays. What okay. does that pertain to, though? So what we do is um, we get donations from all around the world okay. of coats, clothing, um, hygiene products, okay. um, food, um, and we um, we go on this bus tour of homeless shelters throughout the city. Mm. Okay. And 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 we have a, a lot of VIP celebrities right that come on the bus with you guys on this, on this bus Absolutely. tour. Absolutely. And and a lot of those celebrities and stuff were actually homeless at one at time one mm. on their, in their lives. Right. Either as young or even you know as right. they grew older. You know, right. I know you met my brother Shabazz from Shabazz yeah. Brothers Official, or came and joined you guys yes. on the bus tour uh, one time, yes. working Excellent. with Book Bank. Yeah, Michael Absolutely. K. Williams, and Michael K. Know, Williams, a bunch of other, you know, right. definitely good celebrities, good people. Okay, and um, yeah, so we go around, and what we do is, you know, it's different type of shelters, family shelters, yeah. women's shelters, yeah. battered women. You know, mm. different, you That's know, peace. we go to adoption clinics. That's important. You know, different, you right. know, teen group homes. Okay. Uh, so, right. And we just travel throughout the city. We we made it a week, a week event now. It used to be just one day. Okay. But it's a week of events. Scaling now. it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. And, um, it's, you know, every, like, like I said, every holiday season between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. And, you know, people really, you know, looking to, you know, have help. Okay. You know, a lot of depression going on, mental illness, oh, absolutely. stuff like that. And we just take these celebrities and we just jump out the bus. We, you know, got tables set up in the mm. shelters and stuff like that. We bring all our items. Okay. okay. Present it, you know, properly and everything right. like that. And we'll sit everybody in a big room. Okay. And then everybody, all those celebrities will just tell their story. Okay. Of 
them being in that situation at one point okay. and how they came out of it mm. and just offering them inspiration and right. motivation that right. this isn't the last stop for them. Absolutely. You understand? Right. Nice. That, you know, you can right. come out There's of this a stop on the journey. and be successful. Right. Nice. You know, or your family can see you thriving okay. once again. You know okay. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just mentally just trying to stimulate them. Okay. Know? That's yeah. peace, man. I, I know that uh, Dr. Toby has been doing some great things with the with the book bank. I've seen the things that you guys have done, and I commend y'all because it's Appreciate important, and every yeah. little bit helps. Oh, Before absolutely. I go and ask y'all to tell the people where they can find you, um, tell me, you know, just tell us a little bit about why you thought it was a good thing and an important thing to be a part of the International Cypher Border Patrol Project. Well, again, you know, with Hot Tracks Entertainment, we uh, always had, um, like, a niche uh, for the international, we did variety of, uh, collabos with okay. different artists from overseas and okay. we've traveled overseas quite a bit. So we were able to see the struggles that, um, a lot of other artists were having. Mm. And I went and sat on a couple of platforms overseas to speak about, uh, uh, different ways to promote and market and distribute your music and, right. you know, the things that we used to have that we don't have that I think was vital to their industry. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, me being a part of the International Border Patrol Cypher is, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely true to my heart because I deal with so many different artists from across the diameter, you okay. know, and, 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 uh, they came through from my studio. I've, I've housed them, mm-hmm. um, you know, some came barely budgeted, but wanted a project. I even did collabos with them for free, okay. you know, just so they could take back some stuff with them and right. see that, you know, there is unity in hip hop, you okay. know, or whatever the culture was that we was recording at that time. But we feel it's very important because the days that we're living in today, um, we have to be able to get our message across. Right. Um, you know, um, Fox five just won't do it for me. You know what I mean? Um, I really think that the music itself, you know, if they unify us, they see us standing together for this one common cause, then I think that our message will get it out a lot better and a lot quicker, a lot louder. And uh, we'll be respected for the endeavors that we're trying to put forth. Okay. Know? And tell us where the people can find you at. Well, you can, um, you can find us at, you know, Hot Track Studios. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a website, www.hottracks.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find my artist, Job Biggs, at jobbiggsmusic.com. Okay. Uh, same on Instagram. Um, we're actually located now in Queens, so we're going to be at uh, Village Road, 14461 Village Road. Okay. Uh, we're going to be manifesting the new up-and-coming studio, Thriving, right now. Now, mm-hmm. um, where we're doing recording, uh, but we're also in the process of, a, of new development. Like the gentleman just was mentioning earlier, with the new modern technology, um, you know, we don't need the thousand square feet studios anymore. Right, so right, right. we're trying to get aboard that branch instead of giving our money away. We're going to downsize like everybody else. But mm-hmm. um, okay. you can feel more than happy to give us a call. Um, you could call the studio also uh, mm-hmm. at three four seven four three seven. Seven one zero four. Someone's always there to pick up to help and assist in any way that they can. Great, High Track Studios, my man. Uh, Tone, tell us the name of your studio again and where folks can find you at as well. Well, I'm I'm just kind of rebranding a lot of things that I've been doing uh, over the years. Um, So I'm rebranding into an entertainment company. Okay, Uh, and um, and I'm incorporating because I also, you know, for the last fifteen years I've been a 
a cable technician. Okay. I work for um, Tom Warner Cable, okay. Spectrum Cable. Okay. And I've been part of the local three union, okay. electricians union. Okay. Um, so um, what I'm doing now is going to incorporate my entertainment music stuff into nice. my technologies. Nice. Okay. So I'm going to create a company called Triumphant. Technology, mm-hmm. media, entertainment. Okay. okay. I like and, that. Um, yeah. And, you know, still doing the production, you know, mentoring a lot mm. of um, young engineers and producers to really, like, you know, get into the um, professionalism, try to bring that things back, you know, into mm-hmm. the music industry. Okay. And um, Tell us where the folks can find you. You can find me at... Um, well, my email is danthony192 at gmail.com. Okay. You can email me there. You can find me on Facebook, D'Anthony Johnson. Okay. You can find me on IG as D'Anthony Tone Johnson. Okay. And Tony Capone. Okay. On my IG. Okay. You know? Okay. And right quick, tell us why you thought it was important to be a part of this international well, cycle. Like project. I said, I, I, I like mentoring. I like okay. mentoring the young up and coming talented people. Right. You know so, what I mean? So. You have to have a certain kind of quality and talent. Okay. You know, and work ethic. Yeah. That's which important. Is most Very important. Absolutely. To me right now. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you have to have that work ethic. Absolutely. Because you might not be the most talented person. Right. right. But if you're constantly working on your craft. Right. You'll be able to find your niche. Find you your niche and maybe overcome some more talented people mm-hmm. okay. but they might not be they might not be working on their craft right you know what i mean mm-hmm. so if you develop your craft and your talents to overcome a lazier talented mm-hmm. person right i give cardi b like the most yeah. respect right now <laughs> right. Going I mean? hard. Right. from where she came from right to where she's at right now absolutely it, it was all work Top of the game. Yeah, yeah, it's all that work. she just constantly worked and worked and worked it only right. takes one yeah for that's real. all it takes that's one all it takes is one yeah. joint yeah and then everything and else skies out you know yeah. what i mean absolutely give her props you know shout out to cardi she's all right. doing the thing I shout out to cardi she's international yeah uh who knows maybe she'll end up on that International Cypher Border Patrol Hopefully. Project you Volume know, 2. You know, because yeah. we coming for y'all out there, man. I yeah, see a absolutely. lot of people exactly. doing their thing on, on an international tip. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. Diddy and them about to launch a show called Internationally Known. Yeah, you know what I mean? So we right there in pocket with this project. We bringing artists together, producers together, engineers together, business people together, creatives together mm-hmm. from around the world, from across the globe to break down borders, knock down walls. We patrolling the border. It's the right. International Cypher Border Patrol. Radio One World Fest Global. We right here. We say with the Kent Studios. It's a beautiful thing. We want to thank y'all for joining us today. Yes, Remember, we here the last Sunday of every month from one to two p.m. Put your, put your ones up, everybody. Time. Put your, put your ones, ones up. up. Yes, Represent sir. that One World Fest Global. It's one world. We all gotta live here together. We want to sign off. Say y'all have a good. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll talk to y'all later. Peace. 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 peace.